everybody, welcome to the show. On this episode of the podcast, I have my friend Maya Friend. She is the co-founder of Koya, one of the most delicious plant-based protein beverages you'll ever have in your life. And I really do mean that. These things are super delicious. If you get the chance and you find Koya, it's K-O-I-A. And let me say, the vanilla bean is out of control. It's super delicious. Uh, we talk about sort of where she came from, the beverage business, all kinds of crazy stuff, and I really hope you enjoy it. Please welcome Maya French. What's up, Maya? How are we? Great, how are you? Pretty good. Thanks for coming on the show. Gnarly intro. Gnarly intro, <laughs> indeed. You ready to just get out and start dancing or something? How's that intro make you feel? Uh, it makes you feel really hype. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, we're fist bumping right now. You can't see because this is audio only, but yeah, that's what we're doing. Um, so I have a bunch of questions for you. Mm-hmm. So the beverage business is like this really crazy business, right? So you're basically taking a heavy liquid and shipping it across the U.S. There's the, the whole different distribution system where you're dealing with a lot of smaller direct sales distributors and asking you for equity and and sort of there's like a almost a mafia component to the whole thing. Like, what's that been like to deal with? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I think every year is a different stage of the business in which we have to deal with different people. Um, so starting out, it's probably really easy. You're like innocent, you don't really know much, and you can kind of use that to your advantage. Uh, but also being conscious of not being taken advantage of yeah. by these big guys. But uh, we were very lucky early on because we received a national deal with Whole Foods which opened us up with UNFI nationwide. So we really didn't have to worry about any smaller distributors until later. Uh, so that just, you know, stores were able to look, kind of look at the catalog and pick us out, or we go to the distributor shows and be right in front of the people so they can just, you know, order then and there. Um, this year, we're really starting to open up into smaller DSDs and that's tricky because of the mafia aspect of it. <laughs> the mafia is real. Yeah, exactly. They have these territories. And you're like, wait, well, you know, this distributor that we're working with, this larger distributor already, you know, services this store in this territory. So how can we make it work? Oh, we can't. Okay, we can't work with you. And then you see your competitor the next month in all these accounts. And you're like, Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it can be really, really hard to navigate. And it's just like being strategic about, you know, who you choose as your partners and then know the equity piece. It's like, <laughs> that was not on the table for us. Yeah. So, yeah. As it shouldn't be, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. As it shouldn't be anybody out there trying to get some easy equity. Yeah. yeah that's kind of wild. So like, so you guys started off in Whole Foods and um, for our, those of you listening that aren't in the food and bev- beverage biz, that means that essentially you don't ship directly to Whole Foods. You ship to a distributor and then the distributor actually ships to the retailer itself. And so, to go straight into UNFI, that's kind of a crazy setup for these DSDs too, right? Because mm-hmm. they're they they're distributing everywhere. Exactly. And so their territory is every territory. And even like for some places, we've switched over to a DSD um, just because we needed more eyes on the product. On the product, and DSD can also work as a merchandiser 
if you have a really close relationship with them, they'll take really good care of your product versus you shipping it to these like big distributors and they just kind of like leave it on shelf. And yeah. Like, oh God, I can spend <laughs> extra money for merchandisers and like. <laughs> yeah. It gets really confusing. Yeah, those guys are almost like uh, glorified trucking companies. Yeah, they are. Yeah, just, <laughs> you know, it's like you give them a bunch of margin, they just ship things in a truck. And it's it's a monopoly too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's the other piece. I wonder what will happen um, with UNFI and when Whole Foods. So you know, Amazon acquired Whole Foods a couple of years ago now, and I mean, Amazon is kind of well known for the whole distribution and fulfillment thing. Exactly. So I don't know what's going to happen to UNFI, but shaking in the boots. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. And Instacart probably the same. I know, but what does that mean for us, for <sighs> as a brand? You know, are, are we going to get you know? I don't want to curse. <laughs> oh, no, you can curse. You can say, gonna get fucked on yeah, you say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. <laughs> now that they have all this control. <laughs> Ooh, that's a great question. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if we will. Yeah. You know, I mean, they could totally do it. They could completely do it. They already do it on amazon.com. If you're, if you're a vendor brand. Yeah. We don't sell a lot on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> We're Amazon fresh for now, <laughs> but we'll, we we'll see what other opportunities there are in the future. But yeah, it can, it could be, it's, that's a problem. And also the barrier to entry will be higher too. Right. So, right. Cause a lot of these brands, you know, they're bootstrapping a lot of these brands. Their big thing is to get into whole foods. That's like their main goal. It's like, once you get into whole foods, then you're you're golden. Everyone else wants you then. That's the perception. So if these brands are focusing on that and the barrier to entry is much higher, then you know what's going to happen then right i don't know yeah it's that is fascinating and whole foods is they've always kind of been that i don't know that like local forager like not quite a farmer's market but we're still cool you know to like take the new and innovative and and weird brands in and I, i hope that never changes even with the amazon component yeah, I hope that never changes either. You know, I read something uh, really funny today. Well, it's not funny. It's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, um, I think one day buyers expect 1% of brands to, like, make it past a year once they get on a shelf. Whoa. Yeah, I just read that. I don't know if it's, you know, that number is factual, but it seems a little on par just knowing that, yeah. especially in beverage, the amount of cash startup capital that you have to have to launch a product like think about everything that goes into production ingredients like everything goes into your cog especially with us refrigerated product shipping so yeah it's really hard to sustain past a year right and is everything that you guys ship is that all refrigerated Mm mm-hmm yeah. Mm-hmm. And so having an all refrigerated supply chain is a whole different cost structure, right? Because, oh, yeah. you know, instead of just being able to ship something via FedEx, you got to worry about that thing getting warm. Um, and, you know, if, if you're shipping pallets and, and trucks, these things, uh, that dollar amount adds up pretty quick. It does. And of course, there are way more uh, trucks available that ship what is it? I'm sorry. I'm like, like non-perishable. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. <laughs> you don't ship anything dry. Like, What's yeah. the word? What's the word? I only know perishable. <laughs> but yeah, there are a lot more of people that ship non-perishable than there are that ship perishable. And then you have to think about D to C, like direct to consumer. Are you able to do that? No. 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 So like for us, what we're doing is using our D to C more as a place where people can buy things in bulk where they can't do that in store just appeasing the customers yeah it's a it could be a place where you can offer exclusives 
try out maybe a product before it hits the store, see how the consumers react to it, get some feedback. But is it a sales driver for us being a perishable product? No. No. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting sort of way to to use it, though, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you know you're selling a perishable product that has to be cold all the time and you can't have sort of a DTC giant business as a result, then what do you do? Well, then you do stuff like that. That's actually a really interesting and creative way to to view it, actually. How did you guys come up with that? Well, that's a really good question. (laughs) (laughs) Out of necessity, obviously. Yeah, out of necessity. (laughs) Well, we we had an opportunity last year... um, where we could begin selling online. And so we were like, okay, well, let's just do it. But, you know, now we can, we have the ability to have subscriptions and have a loyal customer base and, you know, kind of like really build out like a newsletter program, like where we can uh, give, you know, exclusive deals to our loyal customers. And so we saw this entire way that we can kind of build a community online through this little driver. And we just, we're refining it now. Of course, you kind of just push things out, see how it works, and you refine <laughs> later. <laughs> but I think it's been it's been going pretty well for us, just as an awareness driver and appeasing those loyal, loyal customers, or even customers that are in Bumblefuck, Minnesota, and yeah. they have like no health food stores near them, and they really want to order the product then you're going to order it online. That's awesome. And so when you guys first got into Whole Foods, what was that like? What was the, you know, so you have a ton of beverages, you have a ton of snacks, and in any any even retail store, any grocery store, you're going to have 5,000 SKUs, Mm -hmm. something like that, even more. And so, like, what really hooked them? Like, what was the process like talking to the buyer and and doing all that? So um, we, before we got into Whole Foods, we were in about 40 stores. That was across two states, so Chicago and Michigan. And then we actually lived really close to the regional office in Chicago of the whole entire Midwest. Oh, wow. So I went in for a meeting. They allowed us to do a test in uh, two stores. I think it was Lincoln, the Kingsbury location, and then the Lincoln Park location. So uh, Lakeview, (laughs) like Kingsbury is Lincoln Park. So we did that, um, proved ourselves out, and then were invited for that, that big, big, big meeting because of course they're really excited about something that's new and innovative which it was you know at the time you see some competitors now but uh we were kind of at the forefront of the nut milk trend um but during that time it's really funny we went through a rebrand too so then again the skepticism came from whole foods they're like are you guys ready for us you know we need you guys to have all your ducks in a row like you need to have um your production facility already lined up for co-manufacturing. The, the self-manufacturing is no more. Like, can't do that anymore. You need to um, have a shelf life that's, like, past 30 days. We, were only, we only had a 30-day shelf life. <laughs> like, we had all these things that we were getting away with. And when you get to Whole Foods, you really have to have all of your ducks in a row. You have to have funding. You have to be prepared for whatever they're going to whatever deal they're going to give you. So we actually had stopped selling in all of our other stores um, in at the beginning of 2016. It kind of just went back to the drawing board. We formulated, um, you know, changed our processing method to get a longer shelf life. We rebranded. Um, that's when we came up with Quicks. We were Raw Nature 5 before. And yeah, we presented to Whole Foods. They were super impressed. They gave us a national <laughs> deal, which is amazing. It never happens. And then it's like, yay. But then it's like, oh, fuck. 
we were going from 40 to 400 stores overnight <laughs> you know <laughs> so that's amazing yeah it was amazing yeah so you get in there right you got your product you're doing so you're doing a reform you're switching co-manufacturing facilities mm-hmm. now no longer doing self-manufacturing yep. and then and then also changing the name and the th- <sighs> i mean that's a lot of stuff to do in such a short amount of time oh yeah Ton- i'm like how have i not aged <laughs> i have no idea i remember it was like 24 hour days from anywhere from like reformulation to just like brand like name explorations and like everything was packed into that short period of time that's what it takes you have to grind for what you want yeah you know there's no cutting corners when it comes to that like this is the big time you know <laughs> yeah it's like you've been you know playing in the triple a's you've been fighting in the you know the tough man competitions and all of a sudden the ufc calls like well you better have all of your training in line exactly. like you don't get another shot like you know if, if you go and, and you promise that whole foods buyer like yeah hey we're gonna have this big national rollout and then let's just say like you just didn't ship product oh that almost happened you really oh yeah um <laughs> Here's a juicy, juicy. And this wasn't set up, by the way. I didn't actually know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like all too convenient. I know, right? So, yeah, you only get one chance. And um, so we had actually, like, picked up everything and moved to L.A. and wanted to be really close to our co-manufacturing facility. Thank God we did. Um, thank God we had ordered materials enough for two runs uh, and not just one because we went into check one day just right before it was supposed to ship nationwide and we found one box spoiled started checking all the other boxes the entire production run spoiled oh it could not ship oh yeah dude what yes my stomach was in my ass like (laughs) i can't even imagine it's like the worst it's like all of your dreams are just flushed down the toilet done so we called in a favor (laughs) like oh my god like here's our situation like you know or else we're out of business they let us slide in for like an emergency run um you know we we had to and it was actually it was like something as little as like missing a kill step that we didn't have before because when you're scaling things change of course so you know fix that Shipped it. We were good to go. Landed at the store. I know. And I mean, here we are. I mean, if we, if we, so we could have. The problem with that was when we shipped, we weren't like we were a little bit late, so we didn't hit all the stores at once. So that we had to like kind of catch up with the out of stocks and I'm sorry, not that the voids. Yeah, that was tough. It was like three months of like chasing our tails, trying to fill the voids that we missed on that first shipment. So nothing was perfect. Uh, we had everything, and we had our dreams there. And then it was just like, ah, <laughs> here comes the the downward spiral that always happens when you have you, you know everything happens great, and you're like, okay, what when's shit gonna hit the fan? I know it. Yeah, and then it was yeah. hitting the fan. Exactly. Wow, that is so wild. Mm-hmm. And the voids, uh, again, basically means that your product just isn't on shelf in a place that it should be on shelf. Exactly. And did you go around and say, okay, now we're just going to go into sort of every individual retail location and, and just talk to the buyer and get it on shelf? Like, how did you solve that that yeah. problem of stores that should have product not having it after the initial delayed shipment? Well, that's pretty tough, right? You can't do it on your own. Yeah. If, and it was only three of us literally three of us like working for the company at that time so uh we had to hire merchandisers 
And those merchandisers were the people, the feet on the street, who can go into every single store. And you literally had to be like micromanaging, like like making lists every week. Did you check this off? Did you check this off? Well, thankfully, Whole Foods like gives you your data so you can actually like see. But imagine if it was another store. Yeah. It's hard. Very hard. Yeah. yeah and a lot of stores don't actually do mm-hmm. that. Yeah, a lot of stores, they, they don't give you the data to look at. Exactly. You have to pay like thousands and thousands Insanity. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's another one of those barriers, like you were saying, right? Like once, once you hit the big leagues, you got to have all your ducks in a row. You have to have the funding and all those things. And one of those reasons that you need at least the funding component is that, well, if you want to know what stores you're selling in or how much you're selling, you have to buy data packages. And they're mm-hmm. very expensive. Very expensive. Yeah. It's almost not fair. Yeah. You, you might say it's built for giant multi-billion dollar multinational corporations for, <laughs> yeah. for some reason, you know? Now you see why uh, only 1% survived that first year because <laughs> you're like, oh my God, I just thought that you'd throw the product on the shelf and it's there right. and it sells because people like it and it looks cool. But it's food. My should be fine. <laughs> yeah. Everybody <laughs> needs that. Nope. Not quite that easy. <laughs> yeah. And so now you're getting into the DSD thing. And, and so DSDs, are they primarily, you know, they're going into like convenience stores and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, they're hitting all those uh, up and down mom and pop accounts for you that the the big guys won't really touch because you know they they work with uh minimums that the little guys can't you know afford so it's like how do you you reach uh danny's little local market the dsd those are the guys yeah Yeah. and they'll actually go in there and put your signs up and Mm -hmm. displays and things and have you experienced yet any of this sort of like you know beverage industry knife fight stuff where like people are ripping your signs down and peeling your stickers off coolers and like all this insane shit <laughs> um uh i i cannot recall that being done to us but i it's so funny i literally went into a store the other day <laughs> to whole foods actually um oh wait no we have had it yeah <laughs> you're like what happened to our space oh <laughs> uh, well this other dsd came in and they just bullied you out of your space and they made more room for their product which is a competitor but no recently i went to whole foods and i was looking for this tea that I really like. It's like clean energy. And they were like, oh, well, it should be in a cold cooler, but now it's on the dry shelf. Oh, but their competitor was just in here earlier this week moving stuff around. dirty. So it makes sense. I was like, oh, that's wrong. That's what happened. That's what happens, though. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. and it happens actually in the snack part of of the business, too, but especially in DSD and and convenience, Mm -hmm. like, there's just this culture going in there and ripping people's shit down. That's rude. It's crazy. Yeah, I know the stores, the larger stores are cracking down on that. Um, It's probably why they don't want them in the store that much. Makes sense. (laughs) They know they're messing up, so that's why they have, like, these planograms. (laughs) And then they're just itching and they're like waiting for the the uh, planogram to kind of just like like you know wait out over time and, right. and then they can just come in there with their little sneaky <laughs> selves and do whatever they want mess up the shelves again right yeah, that's awful wow that's crazy <laughs> and your product's actually really interesting because you know I, I consumed I don't even know how many brands of like protein shakes like all of them you know what yeah. I mean and you know from the from the metrics to the cytosport <laughs> to the naked 
pineapple protein, which is like a million grams of sugar. Oh, actually, yeah. it's like oh pineapple, like pineapple a, protein. One yeah. slice alone is like twenty seven grams. Of yeah, sugar. I can only imagine. They're called it a protein shake, and then you look at the nutrition panel, like, oh, wait a second, why is there like for every one gram of sugar, there's point six grams of protein? I in know. Here? It's like I didn't know sugar converted into protein. Yeah, <laughs> mm, maybe they're under something. <laughs> What's going on? And then the cool, the coolest thing about yours is like it's it's plant based, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's oftentimes associated with sort of bad taste, or at least it has historically this chalky kind of weird taste. And yours does not have that. It's like extremely delicious. Oh yeah. It's really good. I mean, taste is number one. Right. If a person tries your product, they taste it and they have a bad experience, they're not coming back. (laughs) You get that initial sale and that's it. No repeat customers. So that's why taste is always number one. Yeah. And did you, you know, when you're thinking about the taste element of it, how did you think about the formulation of that? Was it, these are the flavors that are popular now. These are the ones that we've tried and tested and we think are good. Did you try it on consumers? And like, how did you come up with those flavors and then, and then formulate them? Cause like I said, they're they're They actually taste really, really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a little bit of, let's start off with the basics, the vanilla and the chocolate. Let's make the chocolate really like rich, like a cacao powder. So once we had those, we were very fortunate to have really good relationships with the smaller mom and pop shops that would allow us to go in and demo the product, even when we were in the middle of formulation and just like try it out and consumers get their feedback. We go back to our little commercial kitchen and reformulate according to like what the masses thought. We were like, okay, oh, it's a little bitter. Okay, so like let's make it a little lighter and a little just like sweeter on the taste, just kind of uh, adjusting. I think that's the, the beauty of having a, a small business and a startup because once you get you know bigger it's really hard to like go back and reformulate and adjust like every week so we did that until we we felt like we had a really really great flavor it was like selling out like crazy and then um when it came to extensions it's like well what pairs well with almond milk so before we had a pumpkin we had a chai you know kind of looking at a even like oh what drinks are starbucks coming out with you know <laughs> like and then again the same process going into the stores uh demoing the product and uh getting feedback and adjusting accordingly right and so you do all that in the early stage and then mm-hmm. that way by the time that whole foods does come a knocking you're like yeah no problem yep we got We're it good to go nailed it check out this vanilla bean protein chain what's up <laughs> and so now you have a, a keto line mm-hmm. of products. And so keto's all the hotness um, at the current moment. A lot of people don't even know what that is, actually. I was looking at Google Trends the other day and Googling keto and just like other words people are searching for. Yes. And they're like, is pasta keto? And like, no. Know, or chips keto? <laughs> Are they carbs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, obviously, no. And people have no idea. But I feel like the, it's it just shows you that the, the word keto is so sexy right now that people are just trying to find anything that says keto, they're trying to find it. Mm-hmm. How has that product launch been for you guys? Actually, when did you launch that? Was this year? Yeah, we actually launched a product at the beginning of this year, like January. Start off fresh. New year, new you. New you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been amazing for us. Um the Trojan horse into mass markets, mass retailers like Walmart and, you know, Costco, they, they all want it. Like every, that's all their customers are talking about the buzz of keto. So if you have a keto product and it tastes amazing, 
they're like, we want it. And then they're like, oh, wait, you have other products that taste good? Okay, <laughs> we'll take those too. So it's uh, it's like 95% incremental sales for us. It did not cannibalize the core line, which is amazing because that's always a concern. That was going to be my next yeah. question, actually. Yeah, look <laughs> at you. <laughs> yeah, that was my next question. You know, oftentimes when people, you know, introduce new lines of products or new flavors, they're like, oh, is this going to cannibalize the current sales that we're experiencing, whatever it is. And w- walking into the keto line then and, and having that sort of anti-cannibalization mindset how did that inform your product development and the way that you marketed it like what made it different for than sort of the protein angle like what made it keto was it just taking out all of the sugar that you possibly could Mm -hmm. and then maybe adding mct like how did you think through that whole thing yeah so we did like a coconut milk slash coconut water base uh which helped us keep that sugar really low still no added sugar uh keeping the carbs very low high high fat so it was like mct we have um very high grade of mct oil Uh, i think it's called c8 c8 yeah one other company uses is bulletproof (laughs) so uh yeah just having actually i think it's yeah it's uh so just having those call outs we changed the call outs on the packaging um so the little leaflet that we have on the top of our packaging it says on our core line 18 grams of protein but we don't call out the protein on the keto line we call out the mct oil so that's Smart. it's very um, important because you're thinking about what those consumers are looking for when they're looking for keto products so it's just like you know, tweaking the messaging a little bit and, you know, seeing what grabs the consumer's eyes. Uh, we're going to be, you know, changing our uh, core line to say, you know, Koya Protein, and then we'll have, like, Koya Keto. So just making sure that the messaging is just very straightforward. Right. Mm-hmm. And what are the macros like on the Keto Shake? Five net carbs, 12 grams of sugar. Let's see, what else? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. <laughs> sorry to put you in. Not 12 grams of sugar. I'm sorry, 12 grams of protein. protein. Oh, my God. That's okay. Uh, I was going to correct Three you grams of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> what else can I say? Uh, off the top, I'm not a huge keto. Let me grab one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead and grab one. Okay. I'll, I'll, talk in the, I'll talk in the interim. Yeah, keto is an interesting thing. I was on a really strict ketogenic diet for a while, like two years. And, um, you know, it's actually really difficult to find quality ketogenic anything especially beverages and things like that i feel like i don't know and maybe you're hitting the market at the right time and being in in january it's actually really hard to to find things like this it is and actually the uh the beauty of this product is an indulgent solution for those who are on a keto diet so yeah. when you're on a keto diet of course you have to get rid of all of your you know sweet indulgences your guilty pleasures and kind of just be on a <laughs> sugar-free diet right but here you're holding the chocolate brownie which actually tastes like brownies Ooh. so you know no more of those oh i'm craving it and you know i'm gonna get out of ketosis if i like eat a freaking brownie like no grab have your clear keto it'll hold you over you know? that is like that was like my life on the strict ketogenic diet right <laughs> it's like i need some monk fruit towards the monk fruit i, it's like, I need we, to find something we want to make it easier for you to you know s- stick to your goals yeah that's awesome mm-hmm. this is and so where are you selling the keto one now so we're in Walmart. Um, so we just got off exclusive with Whole Foods. It was like hitting the ground running in. Wow. We were in, I think it only took us like one month to get in like over 2,000 accounts with this one. Dang. Yep. So yeah, anywhere from, who, who else just took it? Uh, 
I know Alfalfa is like in Boulder. I know they. I was just there. That's why I said that. <laughs> Shout out to Alfalfa in Boulder. <laughs> hey y'all. <laughs> uh, Whole Foods, of course. Uh, Erwan just picked it up, so which is huge. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I feel it, like Erwan's like the new Whole Foods. Oh yeah, but they're better. Than, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> they're uh, they're the healthiest grocery store on earth, and also the most expensive grocery store. <laughs> when I walk in there, I know that I'm not going to spend less than twenty dollars, and that might be for a, a bar, a single item. <laughs> yeah, there was one of my, one of the people that that work for me. They go to Aramont all the time. Mm-hmm. And the, they walked in the other day and they had this thing of strawberries, yeah. like a normal, tiny little plastic thing of strawberries. And she's like, you know how much this was? I was like, how much? She's like, $18. <gasps> Why did you do Are that? Organic <laughs> of from course. the region of... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> from the Burgundy region of France, you but, know. But it's so good. It's like, it's literally like everything is so tasty. So you don't feel that bad. Right. It's just like, especially their hot bar. Oh my God. Well, the hot bar's out of control. I, it's like, I would go to a hot bar versus a restaurant. Yeah. Everyone's hot bar is top notch. Yeah, they're um. Yeah, I didn't know what uh, Erwan was like a couple years ago. I'm walking that thing in Santa Monica, and so I'm, I'm going around. I'm like, I don't know. It feels kind of like a New York City bodega a little bit. So mm-hmm. the shelves are really tall and all that kind of stuff. And then um, I get to the hot bar and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> that's what's going on in here. Like what? Yes, and they're epic seven dollar donuts. Yeah, seven dollar donut. Yep. What? Mm-hmm. Seriously? <laughs> yep. Is it good or what? Yeah, it has like a mushrooms in it and stuff. So. What? <laughs> yeah, it has like mushrooms? adaptogen blends. <laughs> the texture is perfect. It's worth the seven dollars. Whoa! <laughs> now I'm gonna have to go and try one of those. Yeah. So this is a seven dollar mushroom filled adaptogen donut. It's probably keto. It's <laughs> probably <laughs> packed with. <laughs> Knows what else they're doing? In Probably there. zero grams of sugar, but it tastes like it's fifty. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's everyone's like the experimental spot, like the experimental food hotspot right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's Definitely. Like really expensive, but also all the cutting edge cool shit. Mm-hmm. You can just go in there and see what the new trends are before they even hit Whole Foods, and just the product selection is incredible i feel like i'm in a different country when i walk in there just because they have so many cool items right yeah yeah i wonder um you know you see walmart and you talk these are in walmart right the keto mm-hmm. ones are in walmart yeah. shout out to walmart congratulations on that by the way thanks that's um, huge that is really huge it's really 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 awesome thanks. um you know walmart is is taking more and more steps in that direction they are. really really fast right it's like yeah we want organics we want natural foods we want these things that are better for you and functional and all these different things and I see them doing it. I wonder how long it's going to be before Walmart is like Whole Foods is now. A while. Right. <laughs> Just think about the Walmart customer. Like they want to be healthy, but, you know, you have to kind of drive the price down because they're not going to pay for healthy. And then, on, you know, they're a little intimidated by things. So it's like the products that they're accepting are more on the I understand this. But I'm not intimidated by it. Mm, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It has to be it has to have that like perfect mixture. You can't just throw in like a, a tonic, you know, or an adaptogen latte that's bottled and expect people to know or buy it, especially if it's like five dollars. It's so it's not gonna be the next Whole Foods in a while. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. your your seven dollar mushroom adaptogen donut's not selling in Walmart anytime <laughs> soon, I guess. No, unfortunately <laughs> not. <laughs> don't think that's gonna happen (laughs) yeah it is wild i think a couple of the very first brands i ever saw in walmart were 
Suja and Sambazon. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it was a while ago. And then, I don't know if Walmart's just trying to figure it out, but since then, I mean, they've taken in all kinds of things now. Yeah. It's really interesting, but it's like, okay, they're taking it in, but is it moving? Right. That's the question. That is the question. And, and I wonder, too, if they're putting on sort of a different set of KPIs relative to your, you know, your full, full octane Coca-Colas and your, you know, full octane flaming Hot Cheetos. Yeah, that they know they're going through like pallets and pallets. They're like, okay, we'll lower our standards for these healthy products because it makes us look great. Right. You know, it shows that we care about our consumers and... You know, people, they want to hear that. They want to hear that out of their favorite store, that their store cares about them. So they're taking an initiative to bring in more healthy products. Yeah, and Walmart really can move the needle, too. Mm-hmm. They're, they're such an enormous business. Like, it's a half a trillion dollars. It's like a $500 billion revenue business. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And college kids love it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And some, some places, like like where I grew up, um, there wasn't a super, well, there was, just, I guess, a regular Walmart. And then they put the super, super Walmart in. And then I grew up, like, way out, way, way, way out in the country. <laughs> and so, like, everybody from everywhere is driving, like, an hour and a half, hour even, to just get to the Walmart to shop for anything. Yeah. Just stuff. Buy things. It's like almost like a Costco. You're like buying things. You're, you know, stocking up because the low prices and you probably have a big family. Oh, maybe not you, but you know, most yeah. of people have large families and they live in the middle of nowhere. They might live in a food desert. So they have to stock up in Walmart. That's yeah. the closest thing. It has everything. Food desert. Isn't that an interesting concept? Yeah, it is. Food deserts. I know. I grew up in one. Explain a food desert. Food desert. Basically, there are no grocery stores for like miles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no, you have to eat fast food. Yep. Because there, there's no place to buy groceries. Insane. I'd have to walk. I had to walk like a mile and a half to get to the, or drive. And what if I don't have a car? You know, yeah. then I'm screwed. Skateboard. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm forced to eat unhealthy food because it's available and it's cheap versus me going to a grocery store and picking out fruits and vegetables and cooking for myself and you know creating like a healthier environment for my family i don't have the opportunity to do so so that's what a food desert is and they're mostly in low-income areas mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting like and even where i was at it was a very food desert-like area everyone just ate fast food yeah it's also it's just so cheap it's just like insanely cheap you know, oh, yeah. you just go get yourself a McDonald's McChicken for 79 cents or whatever, <laughs> whatever they cost, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a really interesting thing because they've been, they've been able to sort of make this really, really cheap food that's like partially not food, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's like the pink slime and stuff. I know. That's, yeah. that's so interesting because, uh, you, you know, me, when we did, a, we did a lot of work at the pilot plant in, uh, Purdue. So that's Indiana, and there are a lot of homesteaders there, and they are pro this type of like GMO food because they say, you know, when we exhaust all of our resources, like what are we going to have? We're going to need to create genetically modified food. But on the other end, it's like if we kind of take action early, then we won't have to go into this. And we don't know the long-term effects of this type of food either. We just know like right now, like people are getting cancer and such, but there are also other free radicals and things that are causing that. So there's this, this huge argument of like, do we are we pro GMO or are we mm. 
do we need to take action now and kind of prevent that from happening in the future? Yeah, the GMO subject is really a really fascinating one, yeah. too. It's so you have like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that are very, very pro GMO. Um, and, you know, in places that are not America, right, where they don't have a sort of a, a constant and stable agricultural food supply, GMOs can actually feed lots of people and prevent them from starving to death, right? Yes, exactly. And then simultaneously in the US, it's like, yeah, but, you know, we don't want GMOs because of, well, for a litany of reasons, right? A lot of pesticide usage, mm-hmm. Roundup ready crops, biodiversity, sort of this, you know, just this monolithic, weird, like, you know, not really a natural version of farming, pesticide residue, and, and all these other reasons. And it's really interesting and delicate balance. And it's like, so, not all GMOs are the same either, right? It's like some of the GMOs are made to resist pesticides. Which is like yeah, terrible, right? That's crazy. <laughs> it's like, so you're just gonna dump as much pesticide oh you want God. on a crop, and yeah. then it never dies. That's that not good. But then if you GMO like a tomato, so it lasts like five days longer from splicing it with a gene from a mango, it's like okay, well that's okay. That's probably fine. Yeah, yeah. Just as long as you're not like putting a bunch of like weird chemicals and stuff on it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. I'm, I'm. F- I'm sure they'll figure out, you know, better solutions for feeding the masses in the future, like, uh, you know, better farming solutions. Uh, but yeah, totally not down with the Monsanto thing. And yeah. It's a huge argument yeah. <laughs> with those guys. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of food science programs are funded by Monsanto and the like. Dow mm-hmm. Chemical and the rest of them. Have you ever taken the drive from, you know, we're in Los Angeles now. Have you ever driven up like through the Central Valley, through Fresno and stuff? Oh, where the farms are, where their cows are just like, like on top of each other and like just laying in their own. Yeah. Yeah. Or even by like the orange farms. There's all these billboards and all the billboards are for GMO seeds. Oh, really? Yeah, it's wild. Wow. Yeah, because all farmers out there. Yeah. And so you, you're driving by in these billboards, instead of it being, you know, Coca-Cola or yeah. whatever uh, new movie coming out, <laughs> instead, of do, or instead of that, it's like, you know, G47B Roundup Seed or whatever, like that's, double your crop this year. That's the audience. Yeah. yeah. Which, I was looking at all this, I'm like, whoa, this is so crazy. I know. And it's really hard for farmers to switch over to organic, too. Very difficult. Yeah. It's like, you know, they're... they're they're kind of being, you know, ruled by these bigger corporations. And then the amount of years and like startup capital it takes to like switch over your farm to organic, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So it's, we're almost stuck. We're just stuck in this rut. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, tough, especially when you're a farmer, right? Because like, the margins are tight already. Mm-hmm. Like when you're farming, you're not killing the game. No. Like it's, it's a tough, tough business. You're dealing with weather. You're dealing with like, you know, just a bunch of wild pigs coming and eating all of yeah. your almonds. Bugs. Bugs. Anything. Everything. Can ruin your crop. It's like everything is left to chance with these farmers. I feel so bad for them. Yeah, it's a, it's a wild, wild business. And then if you want to switch your, your farm from being conventional to being organic, you have to get you have to go through a transitional period, mm-hmm. which is anywhere from like three to seven years, yep. I think, right? And and you're redoing the soil and all the stuff. And meanwhile, you're burning cash trying to convert it in hopes that you can figure out the way to farm organically. Mm-hmm. 
because what you're doing before you can't do anymore yeah so it's a really really crazy and, and tricky thing for those farmers i think it's a deadly cycle that's why the the big guys are the only ones that can really afford to have the organic farms like little guys there's, there's no hope for them right yeah it's well, really sad wow that's so fascinating yeah that's super fascinating it is you ever want to uh have your own little little farm um if i can have animals yeah <laughs> you can have sheep and <laughs> buffalo and <laughs> I just want the farm for the animals. Chickens. Yeah. <laughs> 25 dogs. <laughs> Maybe a coyote. Yeah. But, and, I, and I can't keep a plant alive to save my life. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have enough of them, you just get some sprinklers. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Just turn the sprinklers off. <laughs> or live in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Live somewhere where it just rains. rains all the time. If you, could have, uh, if you could have a farm and you can have animals on the farm, like what animals would you choose like what would be your your, your top three your Goat. starting team pigs goats goats are really cute yeah the pigs are really smart <laughs> um and then uh oh yeah yeah the little dwarf goats those are the best ones oh, the small ones those are sick yeah and then probably a horse or something yeah, yeah. Something, just to ride around something ride around yeah the zombie apocalypse i have a horse yeah. he gets me around point have a to point b you have a sword you yeah know? gotta have a sword keep the pigs in check yep yep <laughs> What are you hey, doing over there? <laughs> I heard I heard sheep before. It's pretty hard. Sheep? Yeah. So yeah. I think I'm uh, pretty equipped to be a farmer. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, sheep are sheep are crazy. I grew up uh, across from a field full of sheep. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. I was shaving them in the summers and selling the wool and the whole thing. Yeah, and sheep, they're... Uh, they they don't have souls for sure. Yeah, <laughs> <They're> assholes. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> they don't care about you at all. I know it's so yeah. funny. I take hurts my heart. I, I was know, like, right? move. Yeah. And they're like, why are you talking to me? Yeah. And that's <laughs> Do you have food? I know exactly. Leave. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, they're very sheep are very um apparent about the way they feel about you too. They're not sugarcoating shit. You know, they sheepish. that might be wow sheepish that is exactly where that comes from it has to be it has to be (laughs) hilarious yeah i prefer to have just like sheep dogs i think that would be better oh yeah yeah that'd be cool you have any pets no i no time i travel too much now same yeah same i really want dogs but i just can't do it i could see you with like a a husky yeah yeah get a husky and a doberman (laughs) yeah yeah that's a move that's cool (laughs) that's awesome so what other kind of stuff are you doing besides like obviously running a awesome tasty delicious healthy successful beverage brand yeah um my social life is beverage industry but i love it i love it i get to you know travel and speak to cool people i get to meet so many cool people like i'm always fangirling like i can't believe i met this person and they actually want to talk to me and then um you know i love i'm a huge outdoor enthusiast now ever since i moved to california I just like dip my feet in the water and now I'm like, okay, what's the, where's the next trail? Like what's the next extreme sports that I could try out? I just like love the great outdoors. So I'm always uh, going on like fun little trips. I did Yosemite, you know, of course in Boulder, I was there doing some hikes and yeah. Went That's to Oregon. Awesome. <laughs> so you're hitting all the national parks and stuff now. Oh, yeah. And so you're new to the outdoors. Yes. Uh, oh, I love it. Three years new. Three years. <laughs> a real vet. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, I, I uh, go backpacking and stuff all the time and hunting and whatnot. So That's yeah. Cool. What what uh, where you what campsite were you at in Yosemite? Like what parts did you? Oh go? man, which one? So we did uh, the Mist Trail. 
we were near like Glacier Point, but we didn't make it all the way up there. So like Half Dome, yeah. I think that hike. And then we were, uh, it was a really good time of the year because that's where all the waterfalls are like at their peak. And it was just like, well, if you come here in two weeks, they won't be here. So mm-hmm. we did a lot of those cool hikes and got some great photos. I love like photography, so I like, take nature photos all the time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we stayed out there. I think it was just like a, a two day trip. And, uh, you know, with some friends who actually like, got engaged at Yosemite. Whoa. Yeah. When you were there? Cool. No, no, no. Oh, like okay. before, but they were like, we want to go back. Yeah. So nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> Any excuse is good enough for me exactly. to get to Yosemite. Yeah. That's epic. So, like, yeah, well, one thing is Yosemite is ultra beautiful like if nobody if you've never gone there you gotta go because the waterfall you go into this big valley and there's just waterfalls falling like all around you as you're driving in it's just like this really beautiful and epic landscape and the weirdest looking rocks you've ever seen like the (laughs) flat sides of cliffs and shit it's pretty wild it's it's like you're living in a wonderland like it's like avatar (laughs) it's crazy i was like wow the earth can do this and this is in my backyard like it's incredible it's not that hard to get to no it's not yeah i feel i don't know what the percentage of people are who get to make it to places like that Mm. but it's not nearly as high as it should be yeah you're right I think a lot of people also are a little intimidated, uh, especially mm. by the hikes. They're like, oh, okay, this is this is so narrow. Like, you know, I'm not in the best shape. I, I'm not going to make it. Like, no, there are uh, smaller hikes and things that you can do. I see people bring their children there all the time. And, you know, the older people, younger people, people of all ages and all backgrounds. It's just, you know, taking that leap and just doing it and just not overthinking it. it. Right. Yeah, that's right. And the the outdoors have a weird effect on on your brain. I don't know if you feel like this, but at least when I'm out there, it's it's almost like an odd sense of clarity. It's like devoid of Wi-Fi and Bluetooth mm-hmm. and cameras. And I mean, maybe you're taking a picture of yourself on a rock. Yeah, no, but uh, <laughs> my feet a, dangling off a rock. Look like how close I am to the edge. No picture didn't count. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, you don't have like all this other external stuff. You know, it's just not a lot of traffic and honking and people yelling. And mm-hmm. it just provides you some some additional mental clarity. Like, is that something that you get out of that experience? What what drew, what sort of drew you to, to the outdoors? Yeah, definitely just the chance to disconnect from all the hustle and bustle of the city, have that mental clarity. And also, I think people are just much happier when they're on the trail. You see people, they're just smiling. They want to like say hi to you. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, you're not like this in the city. You know, it's yeah. just like a really great liberating feeling and just to be like one with the earth there's a such thing as like forest bathing when people like go into the forest or to uh, reignite creativity and you just when you leave you feel so much better and you're ready to just take on the world and you probably just like crush a crazy hike that you didn't think you could do and you you feel like oh my i just like crushed this goal i'm ready to crush more goals like nothing could be as hard as what i just did it's just like so many thoughts and amazing feelings are going through your mind wow that's awesome (laughs) did you stay in a tent out there (laughs) i made a makeshift tent it's really funny so we had uh we have some friends who actually 
uh live in yosemite because they work there so they have like campuses so we we stayed there but i was i was really allergic to their dog that they had so i like went out into the truck and like made a makeshift it had a, <laughs> oh, it, had no. a it had a like a little sunroof so i could see the trees and stuff it was it was real cool <laughs> it was real peaceful <laughs> that is hilarious yeah. but, but that was a rude discovery you're like oh yeah i'm gonna stay in this little thing and then you're just like eyes are closed sneezing yeah i was like oh i have asthma too so it was like throat's closing (laughs) 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 get outside in the fresh air whoa that's wild (sighs) did you uh have you seen any animals yet out hiking um those little freaking squirrels all over i haven't seen any like epic epic animals yeah i mean what a coyote here and there see coyote but i see those in the streets in london so it's like no big deal oh no those are foxes (laughs) yeah same thing yeah (laughs) similar enough some little trash animals here and there but nothing really cool i probably would freak out if i saw like a mountain lion or something probably should though yeah Yeah. (laughs) probably should freak out if you see a a bear or a bear yeah yeah which i used to think we're really friendly until i like went down the deep the deep dark web and so oh, saw what the real i was like yes. oh my god some of my favorite videos <laughs> bear attack videos guilty players yep yep that's right yeah i watch a lot of like uh you know animal attack videos <laughs> yeah just to prepare yourself you know just because it's like it just because like that's what nature does yeah like that's hey yeah it's yogi bear <laughs> not real no you know boo boo also, not real. Yeah, false <laughs> advertisement. Yeah, for That's real. what I thought the bears were. Right? They're cute and cuddly, and they, like, you know, eat peanut butter and jelly and shit. Yeah, and nope. honey. Occasionally, they eat humans. <laughs> Survival <laughs> of the fittest. That's right. Yeah, there was this, um, uh, there was this giant, giant bear that I came upon in June this year. I was backpacking in, in Seattle, and uh, it, it was the biggest bear I've ever seen in my life. The thing was enormous this huge male bear just by himself um yeah it was it was crazy and fortunately he didn't want anything to do with us um you know i had my sidearm fortunately so i felt fine um but yeah he was uh you don't you also don't realize how athletic they are because the bears they're kind of moping about like i see this bear you know and he's maybe 30 yards away or something Mm -hmm. like that and he's duped do 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 <laughs> just like hanging out just kind of whimsically falling through the grass in the forest oh. and then he sees this log and then he just fucking leaps like a cat would leap just brrr, onto the log so fast this like five six hundred pound animal and i was just like oh that's the thing to be afraid <laughs> of yeah, oh yeah i heard the the females are more dangerous yeah it depends there's essentially two types of bears that you don't want to really run into one is a predatory male bear mm-hmm. uh, and the other one is a female with the cubs oh yeah yeah because what bears also do and the reason the females are so protective over the cubs is after they're done hibernating the first thing that especially grizzly bears do is they go searching for for the female bears mm-hmm. to go eat their cubs oh yeah i heard of that that's yeah. so sick that's crazy crazy oh right my god yeah bears are default cannibals they just oh my god it's so weird it's so wild <laughs> yeah so the females gotta like defend the, the cubs and oh. um and so if they come upon a human you know that they obviously don't know that you don't want to also yeah. eat the cubs and so they're ready to go <laughs> have you yeah. ever heard bear <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> 
bear. <laughs> I've never eaten bear actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Bears are wild. That's awesome. I, you know, it's um, it's a rare thing that people don't grow up with the outdoors and then they discover it, mm-hmm. which is like really, really cool to hear actually. Yeah, I grew up in the concrete jungle. Um, super intimidated by the great outdoors. It was like, oh my god, there's a leaf on me. Oh my god, there's a bug. You know, just like freaking out at everything. <laughs> but you kind of just like get your feet wet, and then you're like, oh, this isn't that bad after all. Actually, oh wow, this is liberating. This is great. This is, well, I have not done this my entire life. Right. You know? And it just helps you, I think, overcome other things in life. It's a mindset. It's a mind shift. So, yeah, a lot of people, think about most, like, people who live up in in urban environments, they're very afraid to get out into nature and just enjoy what the good earth has to give to us. Right. (laughs) Which is insane. And that's probably why people don't really care about the environment, too. Because they just Interesting. don't. Interesting. That's yeah. actually a great point. Yeah. Yeah, because if you do grow up in the concrete jungle, you're used to, you know, the garbage man coming every Sunday or whatever, and there's mm-hmm. trash in the streets and shit everywhere all the time. And in nature, like, there's no one to go clean up your mess. Exactly. It's like you have to you have to respect nature, too. And these people, they don't respect it because they, they're not, they don't feel a part of it. They just feel like maybe it's an inconvenience. Oh, well, maybe we need to build on this land, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. It's just, yeah, it's it's a different perspectives so um thankfully there's a lot of uh you know talk right now climate change and you know sustainability and everybody's jumping on the bandwagon as they like to do so yeah maybe we'll see some change in the future i hope so and we need to get more people out into the forest for sure oh yeah how can we do that i don't know but we gotta figure out something we gotta uh, start like a non-profit called get people out in the forest right get into the forest bitch (laughs) that's what it's called (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> get in the forest, bitch. Yeah, the forest. It's an initiative to help people care more about the environment That's and right. therefore create a healthier world to live in. <laughs> I feel, I do feel like there is a need for that, though. I really do. I yeah. feel like, I feel like people would want to do it too. They would. Yeah. And so, what? Uh, where did you grow up? What neighborhood did you grow up in? South Side of Chicago. South Side of Chicago. Yep. And how how different is that from LA? Oh my God, totally. It's very segregated. Uh, very like. You know, like I said, food desert. Um, everybody's just trying to survive. Some people don't even make it out because they're too intimidated to step outside of their neighborhood because they feel like they don't belong anywhere else. And then here in L.A., everybody's just like, you know, no one cares about what race you are. It's more of like a class or something here. For sure. But, um, you know, everybody's just like integrated, living together. It's very calm. It's not a lot of noise out in the street, which I love. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so used to hearing sirens all the time. Even when I lived downtown Chicago, it was like always sirens. Like someone's always getting hurt. Someone's always getting shot. And like here is like it literally is La La Land. Yeah. It's like unreal. Yeah. It's the, the, to me, one of the best places to live in the United States. Yeah, LA is, um, it's interesting because I think a lot of people don't know what LA is. They're like, oh, LA, and they think of smog, or they think of Hollywood, or mm-hmm. think of something. Um, but it's actually not very smoggy. Hollywood's a very kind of small spot, <laughs> yeah. you know, of a small part of LA. And it really is sort of a, a really beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did, you, when did you move here? Three years ago. Three years. Yeah, from yeah. Chicago. And it was crazy because, you know, I found my place online. I saw it the day I moved in that was how abrupt the move was so it was kind of like taking a leap of faith and seeing like well if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but this is my first time really moving away from home so i'm just going to insert myself into a new environment see how it goes and it has turned out great i love that (laughs) 
That's sick. Yeah. And so what prompted the move to LA? Was it for uh, the business? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wanted to be close to the co-manufacturer because, of course. Yeah. <laughs> After that first production, that'll, yep. Yep, that'll do it right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and do you think, I mean, and, and I moved to LA for the same reason from uh, San Diego before, um, you know, I feel like the bigger cities like this are certain hubs that kind of have the talent and, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of the, I don't know, the societal steam of some kind that, that mm-hmm. helps businesses grow. Uh, have you found that in LA? Like, I feel like the startup culture here is, is pretty alive and well. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, you're running around you're like, Oh, why does anyone have a job? Why is everybody <laughs> out? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's super easy to find talent here. Uh, cause everybody's like creative. Everybody's, like uh into health food or you know definitely a large food scene here especially on the west side like santa monica venice uh so that's really helpful just to have those resources and people you can go to and not feel alone versus in chicago very very like maybe only like a there was a uh, maybe a couple of other food startups back then uh so not really anyone that you can call on if you need help or advice or a contact so yeah here it's like find your tribe you know, run with it. You have all the resources. The weather's always great. Everybody's like hardworking, but they're also really relaxed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's an interesting dichotomy too. The hardworking, but relaxed Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, it's like, you know, somebody who, who grows up in maybe a harsher environment, at least like, like I did. And I'm I'm sure you did. It's, it's, uh, and people aren't very relaxed. No, they're not. Yeah. No, not at all. That's what's wonderful about that. You can kind of like show up to the office and sweatpants if you want to. And nobody's going to like, you know, take it too seriously and be like, oh, well, you need to put on a suit and be like super stuffy. And no, we're just like, relax. Like, we want you to feel comfortable and be in the best mindset so you can be creative and m- most productive. And yeah. That's right. Yeah, I remember uh, there was, so (laughs) we had these interns and they all had uh, flip-flops on and shorts. And (laughs) this is a while back and this dude walks in. I can't remember what city it was from, but one of those like more East Coast, you know, maybe it was Cleveland or maybe it was, (laughs) you know, Pittsburgh or something. And he walks in in this full suit and he walks into the office with his briefcase and stuff and he looks around at everybody and he's like, oh, so this is what California is like. <laughs> He's like, it's a lot of place. <laughs> you allow them to wear sandals and flip flops in the thing. Nothing like looking like an asshole in your suit. <laughs> right? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I don't think I could, I don't think I could function in like the total. In fact, I am sure I could not function in the totally suited up life. No. It'd be rough, right? Yeah, too rough. You just like very. It just changes your whole entire dynamic, and <laughs> it makes you just like this PC asshole. <laughs> it kind of does. You're like just like metamorph into a PC asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious! It's true, yo. All of a sudden, you're just wearing cufflinks. I know. You know? Right? Like, what the fuck and is taking that? Taking yourself too seriously. Like, is that a pocket square? <laughs> What are you doing over there? <laughs> right. Is there a banquet going on? Why do you have a pocket square and cufflinks on? What are you keeping that pocket square? Plantain chips? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Hiding something in there, bro? <laughs> Love it. That was awesome. So so you guys right now, you're, you're 
obviously you just launched this new keto line you have the protein line that's already super delicious and awesome that you've been doing for a while mm-hmm. um you're getting more distribution like what's the next year two three years look for, look like for you and koya dominating domination yes world domination actually you know, our mission is to spread plant-based nutrition to the masses. Boom. Yeah. You know, that food desert thing kind of hits home. It's like, how can we have products like, you know, Koya in grocery stores? How can we pave the way for other healthy products to be in these, like, convenience stores and the smaller stores where, you know, in, that are in food deserts and have, like, you know, cheap crap? It's like, how can we provide a better option at a affordable price? and give you the nutrition that actually tastes good and you're not compromising on anything. So that's our that's our goal, like world domination. <laughs> that is awesome. And when there's a bunch of uh, very easy enemies for you to go after, I feel like, even in like the faking like they're better for you protein space. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of targets on a lot of backs right now, I feel like. Oh, yeah. 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 And you know what? I think the, the thing I love most about this industry, you know, we can be... We can be a little catty, but we're always, all of us are pretty much going after the big guys. We're not really going after each other, yeah, you exactly. know? We're all working towards the same goal, and that's to kick them out and put us <laughs> in. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. And that, that actually is a great point. Like, within the natural food space, uh, yeah, you're competing maybe with your direct competitors in the natural food space, but really you're competing against the big guys mm-hmm. and the incumbents and, you know, those multi-billion dollar CPG organizations. Like, that's who we're really going after as a unit. Exactly. We're a little natural food army right <laughs> it's true natural foods militia <laughs> i love it yeah so so where can they find more about koya and yourself go to is it just drink koya yes okay so nailed it k-o-i-a is how you spell koya so drink koya drink koya.com you know facebook group we got a really cool secret group if you're really into it <laughs> i'm gonna join the secret facebook group Let's do it <laughs> Don't know what you might find there. Right. <laughs> maybe some new recipes, maybe some secret product launches in the future. Oh, yeah. Who knows what's in there? Who knows? That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, what about your personal Instagram? Where where can they follow you? Yes, I am Maya J. French. So M-A-Y-A-J. French like the language. Maya J. French on Instagram. <laughs> drink Koya. You should drink it if you don't already. It really is really, really delicious. And I'm not saying that just because you're uh, within striking distance of me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so go check it out. And thanks so much for being on the show. This is awesome. Thank you so much, Nick, for having me. Woo! Yeah! Thank you all for listening to the show. As always, if you haven't done so already, please press the subscribe button. Hey, you're already in the app anyway, right? So double tap on those AirPods or whatever you got in your ears and subscribe to the show. Don't be shy. Leave a rating and review. And if you want, slide into my DMs on the gram at I-N-G-E-R-S-O-L-L-N-I-K, adding your soul in I-K on the gram or any of your other favorite social media platforms and let me know what you'd like me to cover in the show, what you like, what you don't like, all those sorts of things. And I do really appreciate all of you that are listening to my voice right now. Um, I don't know why I just uh, decided to go into the silky radio voice guy mode. But anyway, I will not bore you with any more of this outro. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, I'll chat at you then. Peace.